Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we're recording. And we're recording. Welcome back, everyone. Everybody good today? Everybody good. Everybody good. So we are back. And um, today we thought it would be interesting to bring everyone up to speed on what's happening in the air over the East End. A lot of complicated things. So we got a couple of our experts on today to talk about that. But first, let's do our introductions. I'm hitting the record button this week is Brendan O'Reilly. Hey, Brendan. Hi, Annette. Hi, everyone. I'm Brendan. I am the Deputy Managing Editor. And also here is Joe Shaw. Hiya, Joe. Hey, Annette. It's Joe Shaw. I'm the Executive Editor of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today are two of our most seasoned reporters. We have Mike Wright. Hey, Mike. Hi, everybody. He's salt and I'm pepper. Oh, sorry. And that pepper would be Steve Coates. Hey, Steve. Well, greetings. <laughs> so we're talking about the airport today and um, we're kind of relying on you, Mike, and you, Steve, to bring us up to date on what's going on with that. So in a nutshell, the East Hampton Airport was attempting to shut down for literally a day or two in order to reopen as a private airport, which would give them more control over their ability to manage who's coming in and out of that airport. The very last minute, a temporary restraining order was issued, which Mike will talk a bit about. And in the confusion of what's going on at the airport, Blade, the premier helicopter service that's kind of like the Uber of the air, bringing lots of people out by helicopter to East Hampton, have made their own move that might actually bring new air traffic to a different part of um, the East End, which Steve will talk about. So Mike, do you want to kick it off with the whole temporary restraining order, sort of where we are with the airport? Yeah, the town had planned on May 17th to close the airport for 33 hours from midnight on May 17th until 9 a.m. on May 19th. And that was all part of this uh, this scheme that they've been cooking up uh, with their lawyers and the FAA supposedly over the last uh, year or so that doing that would allow them to designate the airport a private airport as compared to a public airport that it's been since it was built in the 1930s. And by doing that, um, the FAA would say they would be like other private airports that essentially get to say, dictate what the traffic that they allow at their airport is. Um, and they call it a prior permission required system. And that doesn't literally mean that like you have to call and say, Hey, I'm coming in and they ask you your name and what kind of plane you have. And they say yes or no. They just, they just sort of set parameters, um, curfews, um, types of aircraft that can land, uh, at the airport at any given time. And the town had, had, uh, released a package of rules that, that they said, uh, they were going to impose, they were very similar to rules that the town tried to impose on the public airport back in 2015, 2014 to 2015, uh, that a court said they couldn't do because the FAA has control over all the rules at public airports. And so that's where that's where this whole uh, idea was cooked up. And so they had this 
they had this whole thing and it was supposed to go into effect on uh, May 17th, which was a Tuesday night. And uh, on Friday, um, there's there's three lawsuits that were filed way back in February when they originally had planned to do this. And they, they delayed to May because the FAA said that by waiting until May, there would be all these other logistical um, processes that they had to go through uh, in order for the airport to be fully functional uh, the way that it was with the air traffic control tower and these guidance, uh, these guidance processes for planes that are coming in, uh, flying by instruments, uh, which a lot of jets do kind of in any weather, but uh, then a lot of planes do when the visit when the cloud covers below a thousand feet or at night and that kind of thing. Um, and so the FAA had said that if they wait until May, you could they could have all those ducks in a row and the airport could sort of just become the new airport without any limitations on uh, on flights because of uh, various safety factors. And so uh, they did that. They waited uh, the three the three plaintiffs in the lawsuit, which includes Blade, um, and then some people, the, a bunch of people that own hangars at East Hampton Airport, and then this uh, consortium that is probably just small plane pilots. It's called uh, the Coalition to Keep East Hampton Airport Open. Um, they've asked for a temporary restraining order on the Friday beforehand, and on Monday, uh, about 24 hours before the TRO was to go into effect, a judge granted a restraining order that just said you can't close um, until we've had a chance to review whether the lawsuit is, uh, you know, just whether it's going to have a, a chance to actually derail this and, and find that your whole plan is, uh, is not proper. Um, so in the meantime, there was also a federal lawsuit filed uh, and they had asked for a TRO. The judge in that, who was the judge that shot down a lot of the, the uh, town's restrictions back in 2015, um so she declined to issue a tro she said there's one in place for the town uh, by, by the state judge and so we can just uh let that sit uh there's also a couple of pilots that are asking the faa and the department of transportation to weigh in so there were all these there were all these legal daggers being thrown at it and the and the judge said let's just put it all on hold and so that's where it is mike have, have they given any kind of indication along It'll be before there's some resolution all it. No, they don't. No, this is a judge. They don't. They don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't tell you anything until they decide to do it. Um, it could be a year. I mean, there's there's a TRO. The same judge uh, granted a TRO over um, the you know forcing the town to prevent vehicles from going onto the old truck beach, and that was over a year ago, and nothing is nothing has happened. I mean, that that that's legal warfare. It just so I'm curious if the operation of the airport has changed. Have we noticed um, in the right? Past? Well, so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the TRO was only halfway to the story. So oh. <laughs> the TRO got put in place and said the town can't close the airport and transition to the private airport like they had planned. And in doing that, it was going to have a new name. It's going to be called East Hampton Town Airport now. And it gets a new, you know, airports all have those little call signs that you see on your baggage tags. Uh, and uh, the old East Hampton Airport, those, 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 those three letter uh, numbers show up on the, on the flight maps that, that show pilots where there's airports and what they're called. And that way they can look it up and see what rules are allowed there and whether they can land or not. 
So the uh, for the last 85 years, East Hampton Airport was HTO. You know, some number, some of those letters have something to do with the name. A lot of them don't. Um, HTO. And so the FAA had said, well, now it's going to be called JPX, and it's going to be this private airport. And they had set up these new flight guidance systems and and everything, and and granted all these uh, granted all these permissions for the airport to transition to this new airport. And then the judge put the TRO in place, and the FAA said, well, but we can't undo what we've done already. Our HTO is going to cease to exist in all of our systems at midnight on Wednesday, so about 24 hours after the town technically closed it. And they said, well, we can't undo that. So the transition's happening anyway. And um, immediately, the plaintiffs um, charged the town with uh, contempt of court because they said, well, you never told us that. Uh, you never told us that these transitions were going to have to take place anyway. And even though the town didn't then get to impose the new restrictions that they had talked about, um, they had set up these new processes for applying to get the guidance procedures. And, you know, it wasn't just, you couldn't just go onto the FAA website, wherever they, wherever they publish those maps that pilots all know how to do you now had to apply and get permission to use those. And so they're saying, well, so the airport isn't, you know, free and clear. And there, there was some back and forth. A judge declined to, um, you know, accuse them of contempt. Uh, but he also didn't modify the temporary restraining order. The airport is operating more or less exactly as it was. Uh, anybody that needs to get in there with procedures, with uh, instrument procedures, has been able to do so. There hasn't really been a lot of uproar over it. Uh, that was mostly legal, legal jousting. But so that's the that's where things stand. Is that everything is the same at the airport now, for all intents and purposes. It just has a different name, and uh, some of the operations are a little different. But there's no restrictions in place as of now. I'm just wondering if there was less traffic or more traffic this past weekend. Yeah, there there was uh, there was some more traffic, but not you know everything's with the pandemic. Everything is so sort of scattered to the four winds um, that that the old patterns are kind of hard to compare because you know not everybody's going to work still. Yeah. A lot of people come out on Wednesday now or don't go back in at all. And, you know, I mean, I wrote a little story that showed the, the statistics from the town showed a slight uptick um, from this year, but still it's only half of what it was in 2019, mm -hmm. just from Memorial Day weekend. But, you know, that's probably just because a ton of people flew on Tuesday and Wednesday, which in the old days just never happened. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. The air, the airport traffic has changed a lot because of yeah. the, because of the pandemic, the old, the old patterns really just don't apply anymore. Yeah, that's right. As of now, it, it's it's inching back there, but not. I also wonder if the helicopters or if the pilots are altering their paths at all, like knowing the pressure they're under. I just seem like I didn't really. They are. I didn't hear a lot of helicopters over my house um, over the weekend, but I did see a lot come coming in over yeah, Georgia. They are. It's it's not complete, but yeah, all the blade, all the blade, uh, the 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 CEO of Blade, Rob Wiesenthal and I were chatting the other day 
and that was one of the things that that he said he said that all of their helicopters are now instructed to fly over the ocean the entire way and then come in over georgica now that's an inbound so then they leave the other way uh but it is less it is less traffic so mike why now because that's been something that people have been asking for for years Exactly. But now they've got the gun to their head, right? Because now the now the town is actually in a position to close the airport completely if they want to, which, you know, for all the for all the conspiracy theories, nobody on the town board has given any indication that they really support doing that in the foreseeable future. Um, They'd rather try and fight out these these legal avenues and, and get it done in a way that they can just sort of tamp down the traffic and see if that doesn't uh, address the issue. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of those pilots are. And, you know, it's funny, I was up at the airport um, the day that of the closure and this helicopter came in uh, and landed and uh, picked up somebody and then flew out. And it clearly was a pilot who because I mean, I've seen air helicopters come in and they come in guns blazing and they're very loud. And this helicopter, when he sort of went up over the over the far western end of the airport and circled back and then headed out over the ocean, when he flew over my head, I could barely hear this helicopter. This was not something that if I had been sitting in my backyard having a cocktail or sitting in the pool that I would even have looked up at. And sometimes those helicopters fly by my house, which, you know, I'm, I, I'm about a mile from the ocean in Southampton. And they're flying out over the ocean and, you know, you can't help but look up and, and hear them, you know, and this guy was, it was so quiet. And I actually, I asked one of the, uh, uh, one of the airport people, what kind of helicopter it was. And he told me that that's almost the most common uh, helicopter that comes in and out of there that those charter guys fly. Now I forget it's a Sikorsky or something like that. Is it quieter? Or he just, he just left in a very, um, considerate way it was right it was a very right it's it is a quieter helicopter and it, he also just was obviously a very considerate pilot that wasn't that wasn't uh you know giving it the gas as he as he went out over the land kind of like the leaf blower con- uh, which speaks which yeah. speaks volumes it speaks volumes yeah. that you know the problem hasn't necessarily just been the fact that helicopters are in the air it's and, and, and they've said that, and, you know, the helicopter council and blade and all of them, they've acknowledged it, that there's, there's pilots that, you know, are just right. cowboys and don't, don't follow the rules. And, and blade has so much power now that, you know, they're probably enforcing that and they don't want to see people complaining about their helicopters. Cause then they can say, well, so you don't need to ban our helicopters and you don't need to say that we can only fly once a day. Cause you know, we're, we're being neighborly and all that. Yeah. So. Well, it took them a while to come around to this idea, but. Yeah. And then there's seaplanes. Which, and then there's seaplanes. You know, seaplanes <laughs> are a bigger, are a bigger segment of the, of the process of, of the whole you know, charter fleet now, um, uh, partly because of the noise issues, uh, partly just because they're more comfortable than helicopters. You know, it's like sitting in a plane and, um, you know, the customers, you know, blade, blade officials have told me before that the customers just kind of like the, they like the seaplanes better than the helicopters. There is some convenience issue with helicopters in the city just because of there's more locations that helicopters can pick people up but local support comes from the law firm of toomey latham shea kelly dubin and Cordoraro. 
in these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. So that's a nice segue to our next discussion, which will bring Steve in on, which is the seaplanes. What'd you say, Mike? I said, that's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so shifting our talk about things in the air to Sag Harbor, this past week, there were some alarms set off because Blade had produced a slick new commercial that showed people in seaplanes riding from 23rd Street and Manhattan and arriving at Long Wharf in Sag Harbor on the seaplane. Very happy, very rich looking young people who were just ready to have a good time on the East End. And so Steve started poking around. And I think, you know, I think if we listen back at one of our podcasts from a year ago, that we probably mentioned seaplanes and the question of whether or not this was something that could happen. And the thought was, well, we've always had some seaplanes, but it's never been that much. So Steve, I wondered if you could jump in on the Blade discussion and what they were planning and what you learned in poking around about the advertisement and also the Sac Harbor Village Board's reaction to this commercial and the fact that they were looking at this. This will be a shorter segment of the podcast. No, that's ridiculous. There's way more components. <laughs> so uh, people who fly seaplanes uh, you know, like Blade or Tailwind or whoever um, need a they have customers and they want to come here. So if the airport is closed, if East Hampton airport is closed or reduced, uh, they have to go someplace else, whether it be Montauk or Shelter Island or Southampton or West Hampton or Sag Harbor. And there have been planes. Anyone, if you've ever been on the water off Sag Harbor in the summertime, you will see seaplanes, not a lot of them. I mean, it's not like, like it's not like, um, you know, watching a runway, at, you know, at uh, Kennedy, uh, but there are seaplanes here and there, and they were always chartered or private. So for instance, uh, uh, Jimmy Buffett has a seaplane apparently and flies in. Um, That's a float plane. It's a what plane? Float plane. Oh, okay. Um, and um, so this year facing the possibility that the airport would be closed, Blade uh, and Tailwind as well, um, set up schedules for regular service so that they would have an alternative if they needed it. Because the airport is not closed, those alternate flights have not been used. We, Michael went out the other day trying to get photographs and there was nothing to be seen. And, uh, but they, you know, they were listed on the schedule. And we did mention the, the, the ad, um, what I think what, Two things got people in the village upset. One is that they had announced regular scheduling. And in the past, it was just the occasional charter. Um, and then two, they put out these, if you went to their website, it was you know telling you about, you could get, use Blade for jet 
plane or helicopter service to Sag Harbor Airport, which doesn't exist. And then the, the commercial, which showed you know, the plane leaving New York, landing in Sag Harbor and the happy group coming in on their speedboat and then coming to Long Wharf where there's a, a tweaked out, you know, restored Bronco parked the wrong way, which I thought was pretty funny, just given the sort of Sag Harbor summer conditions. And um, the people in the village, you know, the village government freaked out. Um, and, um, you know, the mayor uh, directed the, the village attorney, and I don't know if she even had to get this far, but he directed the village attorney, Liz Vale, to write a cease and desist letter to Blade because they were, you know, for you know, sort of implicating the village in what he considered uh, false advertising. And he was going to have her lodge a complaint with the FAA as well. And Blade and the, the village have talked and they have suspended operations for now. How long that's going to last, I don't know. This is kind of what what we thought um, over over the whole long conversation about East Hampton Airport, Mike. The conversation's always been if the airport, if the town decides to severely limit flights in any way at the airport, that the demand might push those flights elsewhere. And this is just sort of a, I don't think seaplanes. Yeah on the bay were necessarily at the top of the list. I mean, most people were worried about helicopter traffic going to Montauk or going to the helipad in Southampton Village, or maybe Gabreski would get some more air traffic. Um, I think seaplanes were down the list, but maybe not. Maybe seaplanes sea looked like they might be. Um, well, that was, yeah, that was always one of the, that was always one of the top alternatives. I mean, yes, obviously everybody says, oh, well, all that traffic's going to go to Montauk and Montauk's going to get flooded with traffic but yeah the sag harbor seaplanes thing was always sort of the second thing that people brought up um was that that's where they're gonna that's where they're gonna turn because it because there's history there you know they've been they've been landing there for decades um and the town banned seaplane landings in in east hampton town banned seaplane landings in town waters um uh, last year uh, and so Sag Harbor seems like the obvious place. You know, there's there's the Long Wharf. It's centrally located. Uh, it was something that, you know, was was always talked about. And then, you know, of course, there was the helicopters and whether somebody was going to anchor a, a platform or a barge in the in the mooring field or uh, in Shelter Island Sound, someplace that helicopters could actually land on. And that would really see seaplanes are sort of not really that disruptive. Um, uh, especially in that stretch of water where there's huge expanses of water uh, with no houses. Um, uh, but helicopters would, would sort of change that conversation considerably. So they would have to like, um, I guess, contract with somebody who has a floating dock. And we're talking about them letting passengers off outside the village boundaries. Is that accurate? Yep. Coats, I don't think we ever, we ever, we haven't nailed that down. We're not sure if the platform that they're using now is actually outside the village's um, jurisdiction or not. If not, it's close. Yeah, it's at the edge. It's, it's like, um, and I, I don't, I, you know, you, I, I guess you, you certainly can use GPS or whatever to properly place a mooring. Can you not? I mean, so you can place a mooring exactly yeah, sure. thousand feet and, um, there's probably a little limitation there because I will say this having been out there, you know, if that, if that is outside the 4,000 feet or not outside the 4,000 feet, 
you couldn't go a lot further because the channel buoys are right there. And so I would assume that there would be an issue with putting something like that in a navigation channel. So the legality right. though, is that these passengers have to get off outside of the village. So here's the deal is that most municipalities have a 1500 foot jurisdiction from their shoreline. Sag Harbor, um, then they had to get a state, uh, sort of a state waiver allowing the village to extend their purview to 4,000 feet. Yeah, just a few years ago. And the village, the village law is that um, a seaplane, you know, that they, the village has nothing to do with seaplanes. Um, you know, they're not allowed within their 4,000 foot area. So a seaplane can land, you know, 4,001 feet from shore, but it can't, can't land any closer, but they are allowed to taxi and, 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 and dock or, you know, tie up to within 1500 feet. So in the past, there has been a float that was, you know, somewhere in that 1500 foot area, you know, or outside that 1500 foot area in the mooring field. And this year they built a larger float and placed it at a mooring out 4,000 feet. So the planes land outside and they don't even taxi in where they're allowed to taxi. So the idea was to keep them farther mm. from shore. Then what would technically bring the passengers to the wharf would be like a uh, boat launch kind of thing. Is that and the village's boat, the, the village has a, a launch service, which mm -hmm. is run by a fellow named Ken Deeg, and he contracts with, you know, but, you know, so he's got the village contract. So if you're going out to your boat, you pay him five bucks and you're coming in, you pay him five bucks. And if um, you're coming in from a plane, apparently, I, I assume he, he probably has the contract directly with the airline companies. Um, I don't think the person who gets on that la launch is to pay him, but um, so he's been providing the service, but he has agreed you know, to suspend any kind of service to planes this while this thing has worked out. But by the way, but that to me, I'm thinking, why could I not fly a plane and land it 4,000 feet out, go to that float and get on a private boat and be ferried in? I don't, you know, I, that should certainly be possible. Yeah. It sounds like that's what a private charter is going to have to do, or somebody that owns a seaplane um, uh, is going to have to do that. They're just going to have to have somebody come pick them up. And, uh, you know, whether the village can say that's not allowed, it uh, seems unlikely. So I would think that's still going to happen. But again, that is a very limited, <clears throat> a very limited number that most people that I know that live in Sag Harbor aren't even aware that seaplanes, you know, maybe they've seen one in their life, but you know, they kind of come in and leave and you don't really notice because it's out there in the bay. That was where I was going to go with this is, so let's just take a step back for a second. And when you compare this to the impact of the helicopters, so Mike, you mentioned that seaplanes are, uh, are going to be probably less of a problem for property owners who complain about the helicopters making a lot of noise and things like that. But what are, what are some of the things, you know, I've heard people say, you know, the bay, while it's huge is also dotted with with uh watercraft a lot of the time and sometimes it's sailboats and sometimes it's power boats and sometimes it's people in kayaks and you know i i just you know is there a risk there to to what what are what are going to be the concerns here that's what i'm asking pilots got to be skilled and as if you're a seaplane pilot you're you know you're well aware of all that stuff i mean they they land and take off on the east river which certainly is a busy waterway so 
um, you know, they're, they're good about all that. I've seen them come in, you know, they do a flyover of where they're going to land and, and then they come around and they, you know, they, they land pretty, pretty gently. Uh, you know, their, their engine is at idle speed and they just kind of like coast glide in and touch down on the water. And, but they stop, they, they, they stop quickly, which is, is really surprising. And I think it's because of the friction that yeah. water causes you yeah, know, water, compared to yeah. a runway. And you'd have yeah. to be coming in fairly yeah. slow to do that, I guess. Well, yeah, so right, yeah. so let me ask a provocative question. Is this maybe a potential solution to the helicopter problem if we have more seaplanes? What's the downside mm -hmm. to this? Joe, is you've just you've just lost any chance of ever getting a reservation <laughs> at a Save Harbor <laughs> restaurant again. <laughs> I'm I'm this is all you know just theoretical here. I'm well, it is interesting because the passengers apparently like it, like the seaplanes better, they're more, more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, you know, the seaplane, the number of seaplanes, and I, I don't, I should have had the stats here, but the number of seaplanes in the last like six or seven years has gone way, way up. Um, you know, and most of that is replacing helicopter huh. flights. Now, the number of helicopters is, is still going up too. Um, you know, like I said, the helicopters provide a certain flexibility that the seaplanes don't necessarily have. Um, it's a faster trip uh, from Manhattan. It's only about 35 minutes, whereas I think it's like 50 in a helicopter. Wow. Um, and they hold a lot more people, yeah, you know, a lot more baggage. A plane can hold 10, 12 people and a helicopter can hold like six at most. And most of them are only four or five. Hi, this is Ellen Duogardi. I'm the director of events for the Express News Group. I'm also the president of the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce. Community really matters to all of us at this company. I know it's a good part of why I'm here. We've hosted more than 50 of our Express Sessions events in Southampton, East Hampton, and Sag Harbor, focusing on issues that matter most to residents of the East End. We bring the most important government and community leaders and topic experts together in one room, and we often find answers to complicated questions, and we grow stronger together. This all takes staff time and company resources, but it's our job, and I'm happy to say we really love our work. But we can't do it without our subscribers. If this kind of community work is important to you, you can support it by becoming a subscriber. To subscribe, visit 27east.com slash subscribe, and thank you. So I'm curious, like, do seaplanes ever land on, like, Meacox Bay or... No, they're not allowed. They're not allowed, or any of those, or Shinnecock, they couldn't do that. Um, right. um, I'm not sure if Shinnecock has a prohibition. It it might. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, it, it would be logistically difficult in in Shinnecock. Shinnecock's a pretty small bay. I seem to recall that during the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah, they do it in Pecan. They they do they land in Peconic Bay kind of all the time. And during the U.S. Open, Blade actually had a a little um, shore landing seaplane service for people coming in yeah and and they did it sort of the same way they just did it from the beach that's right that's little peconic bay that i'm thinking of that's not shinnecock bay yeah. um but they had a little boat that you know met the seaplanes out they pulled some seaplanes right up to the beach but mostly they they shuttled they just had a boat that pulled right up to the seaplane not a oh. not a float they just pulled the boat right up to the seaplane and then the boat came in mm -hmm. um and you know that seemed to work fine that works fine as long as it's calm uh, you know, the, the platform they've got out in the bay that they were planning to use this summer is kind of the same issue as, you know, when it's calm, it's fine, but it's, you know, it's just a bunch of plastic floats tied together. Um, so, you know, when I was out there, a boat wake came through and the thing was bucking like a Bronco and 
I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to be standing on it. And I, I can't imagine that the crowd that, uh, you know, uses thousand yeah. dollar a seat each way flights back and forth to the city in the Hamptons is, uh, is a particularly, uh, uh, nautical crowd. Plus with all of their bags and stuff that they're going to be. Yeah. Carrying. And bags and all. Yeah, exactly. You would not have wanted to be on that float right at that moment. Right. So if that's ever going to become a, a real, uh, a real option. You're going to need a much more stalwart uh, transition system. I would think both in the float and in the the shuttlecraft that brings people back to shore. Uh, you know, Kenny Deeg's boat is great for hopping around the harbor and and the and the uh, launch, but it's uh, the mooring field. But it's uh, you know, it's just an open skiff basically. So East Hampton Town not allowing to land in town waters. Does that mean that they could land? Same deal, like a few thousand feet from shore. Well, East Hampton town waters are a little funny because you got Gardner's Island. So they, they extend way out in a lot of areas um, right, in a right, big right. stretch of area, especially huh. particularly the area where it kind of was an issue. There was, there was a seaplane landing uh, fairly regularly uh, over in, you know, the Barnes landing kind of area there. And, uh, and, that got captured in the in the seaplane ban, I believe. So that's um, you know that that's the one thing with East Hampton doing that is that it is that it's it's, it's a big it's not just a matter of land out in the bay and have a boat bring you in. I mean, you could do that, but you got to land much further out in the bay. And the further out you get, you know, in the summertime, the more complicated it gets because the wind blows in summer. Right. Or I was thinking in Montauk, like off Fort Pond Bay. I wonder. If yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that's not. Yeah, that's not town. That that would be the fifteen hundred thing in in Fort Pond Bay. The uh, and I'm not even sure that right. the town has jurisdiction out fourteen hundred feet there, um, because that's that is state waters. Um, and uh, yes, and seaplanes land in Montauk all the time. They come into Navy Beach uh, fairly regularly. Um, uh, there might even be a scheduled. Somebody might have a scheduled drop off it's not a ton because again they're just kind of pulling up to the beach in a small boat which you know that only appeals to a certain crowd just when there's an airport right there that you can land at a seaplane can land at montauk airport no problem um right and then there's there's also like shelter island i don't know if they have any of those off of there uh, i don't know too. i've seen them in there but i don't i don't know if people are commuting that way if that or if that's just private or charters or or whatever but um, yeah, when when Navy Beach was like a really hot social spot several years ago, I don't know if it was Blade or or Shoreline or one of those did like a Friday evening uh, shuttle where you flew in and you landed right at Navy Beach and you just walked right into the right into the bar and started your weekend. So, Michael, is so the, the waters off Navy Beach are state waters, the whole bay. Yeah. Is, OK, that's interesting how that's how that jurisdiction occurred. Well, that, yeah, that's always been state waters. That would never be, that would never be town waters because it's open, you know, it's open bay. Town waters are mostly just the enclosed bays within the town's actual boundaries. Um, you know, because of Gardner's Island, the town boundary swings out around Gardner's Island and, and cuts in between the ruins to, uh, you know, to Cedar Point kind of. Okay. Um, and so those waters are town waters, I believe, legally speaking. But yeah, no, Montauk is all state waters. North Haven, like Noyak Bay, that's all state waters. Um, I'm trying to think where, you know, all of Peconic Bay, that whole Peconic Bay shoreline, the towns don't really have any power over that 
at all. The, you know, the 1500 foot thing, that is, that's not even complete control. That's, that's just that they get to dictate sort of watercraft usage, I think, and that kind of thing, like no jet skis are allowed in a lot of those areas, but um, that's, uh, that's state, state controlled and the state isn't very controlling. They don't, they don't have a lot of rules. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than you want to think. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's certainly plenty of options for using the water for commuting. You just, you know, it it limits you with the sort of people that are going to be able to do that and weather. You know, when it's when it's raining, I don't think anybody's going to want to land in a, out in the bay and transfer to a boat unless it's, you know, a covered dock that they're disembarking onto and a boat with a cabin <laughs> and what does this trip cost by the way they they vary from thousand bucks 900 bucks thousand bucks yeah 895 to like 1700 depending on you know the way the way blade works with a lot of their flights is it's like ride sharing where you know they say that it's $6,700 to charter a seaplane to fly from new york to east hampton if you buy that flight, they'll then sell, and you've got two people, they'll then sell the other four tickets. And each person that buys a ticket, the price for everybody else goes down. Now, when they've started doing their schedule flights, I think they're kind of, uh, you know, they're doing the math themselves and just saying, we're going to basically put an average number of this many seats on each of these planes, we're going to fill them. And so we can just charge this and that'll be fine. Even if one of those planes flies out with only two people paying 900 bucks, you know, we're going to have another plane that's same people are going to pay 900 bucks, but there's going to be eight of them on that plane. So it's a great business model, frankly. They're, they're killing it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting that the, they said the CEO of Blade actually lives in Sac Harbor. Um, he lives, he lives right where the seaplanes really. Are. Yeah, he lives on the water in North Haven and looks like basically right out where the seaplane runway is, is right in front of us. So I guess he's not calling that airport hotline to complain. (laughs) No, I mean, like, there's, frankly, there's just not a lot to complain about. You know, like I said, they come in quiet when they take off, you know, it's like a plane you hear the engine revs or whatever, but they're not particularly loud airplanes to start with. I have to say, we were in Vancouver a few years ago, and everything is done by seaplane there, and it's it's pretty cool actually. They even have like a big like you know Exxon dock out there where the planes can get filled. But it's yeah. it's fascinating to sit there and watch them because they fly out to all of those mm-hmm. um, you know the islands off the coast of Vancouver from there. Um, yeah, and every five minutes there's a new one coming in and another one taking off. So. Uh, so Steve, what's the, what's, uh, so what's the village doing now? Are they, it seems kind of funny because I got the sense from your story that the village board and the mayor didn't really think that this was an issue. Um, and then all of a sudden when that commercial came up, they thought it was an issue. So how, what was their reaction? Aiden Korsh, trustee Aiden Korsh and trustee Bob Plum both were concerned about it. Uh, the mayor did not initially think it was an issue because he thought it was just the regular planes that have been using the outer mooring field, you know, for, for whatever. Uh, but he changed his tune when he saw the ad and when he looked over the website and saw that they were talking about, you know, so, you know, Sag Harbor airport as it were, which doesn't exist. And the fact that they were uh, showing 
passengers coming into Long Wharf and stuff. So it made it look like the village was sponsoring it. And that's what set off the alarm there. And it's just right now it's a temporary hold. And they had like an actual schedule, like right, like as if it was regularly scheduled flights. Right, right, right. I mean, if it's regularly scheduled or it's chartered, it's, it's not really a big difference. Mm -hmm. But right. what everybody's afraid of is that it becomes 20 flights a day and all of a sudden there's like an airport in the, in the harbor. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, if that ever to happen, what the options that the village would have to addressing that, could they stop people from being dropped off at Long Wharf? Could they say that nobody can shuttle people from a, you know, from a commercial flight into the, yeah, into I, the harbor, you know, to any place, that kind of thing. It's hard for me to believe that they will be able to completely stop it. I mean, I just, I, I just can't see yeah. if I, if I own Steve's Marina, how could you stop me from sending a boat out and letting, you know, or letting someone bring a boat in and dock at my dock? I, I, so is this on their agenda? Do you think that the board is now going to discuss are they asking maybe the lawyer, their counselor lawyer to come up with some ways to um, put a little bit of uh, the brakes on this? Or is that not a talk yet? They're going to talk, you know, and I don't know how that's going to take place, if it's going to be a phone call with the mayor and the head of Blade or whatever. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll find out soon enough if it if it makes it to the, you know, to the board table. Blade has a lot of lawyers. <laughs> but they've also they've also, you know, been fairly vocal about their, you know, that they're I mean, listen, they're a publicly traded company. They need to make money and they have fiduciary responsibilities. But they're also they, they sort of understand that that you're going to get further with sugar than vinegar or honey than vinegar, whatever it is. Um, and they're, they're trying to they're trying to be friendly and accommodating as much as possible. It seems like we're going to have to be realistic about this. I think people would love to see, oh, well, let's just make it all go away. And certainly that seemed to be Stampton Town's uh, goal with, with what they were trying to do with the airport, but it won't go away. It just will change. You push down, it's like a bag of water. You push down here, it's going to pop up somewhere else. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and that was the, that's the town's point because the town has got, you know, people screaming at them that the airport should just be closed permanently forever, get rid of it. What purpose does it serve? But the problem is that, you know, you can't then just say, well, you can't fly anywhere on the South Fork. The town only owns their one stupid little runway. So, you know, that's uh, the town has been sort of very pointed in saying that closing the airport doesn't solve anything except for maybe, you know, the couple of dozen houses that are literally right around the airport that wouldn't have planes flying over them as much anymore. So, I mean, they, they're going to go someplace. Rob Wiesenthal said it this way. People aren't going to stop wanting to fly no matter what East Hampton does. And so companies like Blade and Tailwind and Shoreline uh, are going to think of other options and they're going to figure it out. And it's, they're, they're going to think of way more things that they can do, then we're going to think of things to be able to stop them from doing. <laughs> 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com
Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.